I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. And the Simon, groundbreakers, history makers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. I am your host, Kate Sear. I'm in the driver's seat this week as we turn the corner and come into the home straight for the strangest season of our lives. Um, it is so good to be joined by my football-loving lady friends. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I am Rana Hussain. And I'm Nicole Hayes. Hello, both. I haven't seen you both for so long. How, how's everything going? How are you going in lockdown Melbourne, stage four restrictions, Rana. Oh, this is the best year of my life, Kate. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm beaming and I'm thriving. And <laughs> well, I, I don't know how I am is the answer. I'm surviving is probably the answer. I'm looking forward to school going back. I think once term four starts and I have no five-year-old in the house, I will be a completely different woman. I think I'd be able to run out for Richmond in a grand final. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that. That would be great. <laughs> well, you know, if you can get yourself up to Queensland and and allow 14 days for quarantine, you might get an opportunity to run out in the grand final run because your Tigers are looking pretty good. What about you, Nick? How are you going? Yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm sort of in this holding pattern and I'm, I'm okay with it. Now I'm starting to think about, you know, this is going to sound like sacrosanct, but the idea of going out into the real world again, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I've put on... <laughs> Like I've got to wear nice clothes and think about makeup again. And I've got myself in such a sort of groove here. And I'm not saying I'm having fun or anything, but the fact that I don't have to go anywhere to work. And, you know, there's an aspect of that that I've kind of settled into a little too comfortably. There are parts of it that I think now are kind of an accepted part of my life. What do they say? Uh, six weeks to develop a habit we've been in here for like four million days so I'm totally entrenched in this habit now I'm okay like looking forward to to it ending because of the weather and having the choice but you know days are passing god the only habit I've developed is uber eatsing cheetos to my house at 11 (laughs) o'clock at night can you do that Yes, of course you can do that. Oh my god, Rana, hook a sister after we've recorded hook a sister up. I need to know how to do that because I did not know that that was a thing. But what I do know is a thing is pajamas and I can really relate to you Nick. Like I have I have a renewed respect for and love of how comfortable pajamas and slippers are. I wear them basically all day every day now. Yeah, I'm not going back. You'll be seeing me in pajamas now from now on. Regularly wearing pants is going to be <laughs> Quite a challenge. Are we allowed to tell our listeners, Rana, that you recently did wander out to the? Uh, that you, yes. that you did go out to the yes. post box the other day to collect the mail and had forgotten to put anything on from the waist down because you were just in the ISO kind of vibe, right? T-shirt and undies. I had been in a Zoom meeting, so I had a hijab on. I put a mask on, but I had no pants on. And my neighbour was like, "Oh, hi there." <laughs> There's a lot to remember if you if you go down if you go just like for a ten minute trip to the shops. There is a lot to navigate because you you are wearing the mask. You've got your car keys. You're trying to be socially distanced. You're putting hand sanitizer on as you come in and out of the shop. You're trying not to touch anything. Like there's just so much going on, and I I can understand how you might forget to put on pants it's messy it's a lot it's a lot to take in what has also been a lot to take in in recent days is the constant festival of footy we've had footy again every every day and night for what feels like weeks and weeks but I've lost all sense of time so that could be a slight exaggeration but we are now moving into the final round of the season what 
caught your eye though from round 16. What were your highlights, Rana? I had a good round this last round. Again, another two wins for my two teams. So that was amazing. And it's like at the moment when your team wins, it means so much. Like I get so much joy every time they win. So I definitely needed it this round. And I have to say, I loved seeing Simon Goodwin smile at the end of that Melbourne GWS game and just how happy the team was. Um, But for me, my highlight was Kadeen Coleman's goal. Kadeen Coleman plays for Brisbane. He's a Brisbane Academy player who managed to get in because of injuries of his teammates. And he just the most amazing goal, kind of danced around a few players coming off the kind of wing, I guess. And I just, the the footwork and then the eventual goal was amazing. Go and watch it if you can. But it did make me think with all the fancy foot skills that we have in football, why have we not seen a montage of the footwork set to Leo Sayers, you make me feel like dancing. But that's all I want now. <laughs> that's a TikTok waiting to happen, isn't it? It just needs it just right? somebody with a lot of time on their hands, right? Or if you know anyone with that. <laughs> what, about, what about you, Nick? What was your highlight from the weekend or from the week? Well, I, yes, well, I can't um, revel in the joy of my team <laughs> winning because we have not been. There are nice things that have happened, though, with the re-signing of Sean Burgoyne, which makes me very happy. Uh, some retirements that have made me a bit sad, but we'll talk about them later. I am going to go back to the GWS, the Melbourne GWS game, because one, it was lovely. I've got some Melbourne fan friends. Um, Miffy and Sue, who are big listeners of the show, and and uh, Pete Matessi, who's a screenwriter and a mate of mine, whose Twitter feed is always very entertaining when Melbourne's playing because he writes them off all of the time. And he wrote them off right before, like in the last minutes of, of the game too, and said, there's no way we can come back from here. Like just stated it categorically. And then, of course, they held on at the end, uh, only just admittedly. But um, he's just, he said it's a, an emotional defensive mechanism on his part. And I, and I understand that. But there are a couple of moments in it that, stood out for me as well and one of them was the fact that there were multiple times that the umpires called holding the ball when there was incorrect disposal and that just gave me such joy to see the the umpires have clearly got my memo and they are finally (laughs) responding to our desire for a good tackle timed well to be rewarded appropriately so that made me happy um and the other thing it's it's kind of a mixed feeling because I you know you know we none of us sort of support any of the uh, rough play or anything that doesn't quite fit the rules. But one Toby Green got a little taste of leather in his uh, in one incident that I'm not going to say it brought me joy, but my hope is that <laughs> it might inspire him to perhaps keep his own leather where it belongs, not in people's faces in future games. That were two big highlights for me, and of course Melbourne winning. <laughs> Well, Melbourne is still uh, still a chance of making still a chance. The, yeah, the finals, of course. I'm um, sorry, Rana, I say that, and I can see you because they <laughs> shudder, shudder with terror and terror and nerves. But they are still a chance, which is great. I, I I think there's nothing worse than coming into the final round of the season where there's not you know something in it. Still, some final spots up for grabs, and you know, in theory, Brisbane can still finish on top of the ladder and wouldn't it be extraordinary if they did and I mean I'm getting way ahead of myself but if they went on to make the grand final and play a grand final at home we're going to talk about the grand final in a bit more detail later on but gee that would be extraordinary for for football in Queensland. You mentioned Nick that there were a few retirements that are starting to you know it's that time of year where we start to have departures we start to get all of that trade talk and we start to have some retirements announced I really enjoyed watching uh, Bryce Gibbs play for Adelaide on the weekend play against his old club Carlton and to see Adelaide get the win after what's been a really difficult year for them it's disappointing for Carlton fans because that ruled them out of finals contention but gee Bryce Gibbs's final game was uh, phenomenal he had a really strong game he had 27 disposals and five tackles what I loved most was seeing Carlton supporters in the crowd with signs for Bryce Gibbs you know saying there is always a blue bagger I should say initially I really enjoyed seeing him chaired off the ground by Mark Murphy and Cade Simpson, both from Carlton, of course. But then I saw that Kane Corns poo-pooed it. And uh, so, of course, I rethought my life decisions. Uh, given that Kane Corns has said it was wrong, it obviously has to be. And so um, I, all the joy has been taken out of that event. But there were some other big retirements uh, announced in the last couple of days. So Tom Bell Chambers from Essendon is 
retiring uh, triple premiership players Paul Poopolo and Ben Stratton from our team, Nick, from Hawthorne. But one of the big developments that I wanted to just um, acknowledge is the retirement of Cade Simpson, Simo, from Carlton, who's a long-term favourite of Carlton supporters. He's highly respected by people outside the club. Many of my friends and family members go for Carlton and Simo is their absolute favourite. I was reading up when it was announced, actually uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, when it was announced today that he was retiring, I read up a little bit about his career. So he was actually taken as pick 45 by Carlton uh, back in the 2002 draft and that was because you may recall that Carlton lost the first and second draft picks because of salary cap rorts and so this was one of the players that they took in a season where you know everyone thought that Carlton wouldn't you know end up with any or many decent players and here he is all these years later still with the club Um, as I said drafted in 2002 I want to tell you a few things that were happening in 2002 to give you a sense of how long Cade Simpson has been around and what how things have changed. So back in 2002, the Winter Olympics were played in Salt Lake City. Oh. I know, doesn't that feel like an absolute lifetime ago? The FIFA Men's World Cup was played in South Korea and Japan. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Kelly Clarkson won the first ever American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> and in something that we might come back to later on in the melee, Eminem released lose yourself in that same year of course he did yes oh my god so Cade Simpson played he's played the third most games for Carlton only Bruce Dool and Craig Bradley have played more he's a loyal one club man he played in six finals but never made a prelim or a grand final of course he won their best and fairest in 2013 placed in the top three of the club on a a number of occasions yeah stuck with them through thick and thin and I just wanted to acknowledge him because I think he's been a terrific player and I was actually very sad to see him retire yeah, me too. I love Kate Simpson. In 2002, I was in year 11, which I didn't think was that long ago, but <laughs> it clearly is very long ago. Um, so thanks for that. <laughs> I love Kate Simpson. And I do, he's always been one of those players, even though Carlton's not my team, when I watch Carlton, I look for him. I always have wanted him to do well. You know, you just feel an affinity for other teams, certain players. So he's one of them for me. And I'm very sad that he's he's done. Yeah, and it's a real testament to him that he was the one carrying Bryce Gibbs off. I know they're their best friends, but also just to be that person to just break with tradition and be from the other team and um, recognise the friendship that's above and beyond football. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed that too. What were you doing in 2002, Nick? (laughs) I had a two-year-old and I was probably pregnant with my next one. So so I wasn't doing much of anything, really. I was probably just chasing my t- my um, toddler. Um, I was working as well. I, you know what? 2002, I would have been living in, I would have just been moving back to Melbourne from Canberra. So that's actually a really big thing. I was moving back here and I was buying a house and I was doing all those horrible things with a toddler and, and pregnant. So, you know, why muck around? What were you doing, Kate? I was doing my articles of clerkship, as they're called. They've, the name has changed since, but that's the year you do when after you finished your law degree. It's kind of your apprenticeship, and once you're finished, you become a lawyer. So I was I was doing that with uh, my very dear friend Cara. We did them that together, Cara, who we've talked about a bit on this podcast before, who passed away earlier this year. But we did our articles together in 2002, and gee, it was <laughs> we had a good year. We had a lot of fun, and um, it was a huge learning experience. It was great, but it feels like a life, absolute lifetime ago too in many respects. All I'm seeing now is another montage and of flashbacks of where we all were. And now all I want is an Outer Sanctum origin story movie. I was going to say, Nicole Hayes, you, you've, uh, you know, written a screenplay yeah. or two in your time. Get on it. <laughs> all right. All right, you two, it's about that time of week where we roll up our sleeves and melee. But this week, I want to do things a little bit differently. I want to turn up our South Melbourne vintage collars, which were out on display on the weekend when Sydney wore that fantastic vintage jumper. And rather than doing a serious melee, shall we just have some fun? Yeah, we need a bit of fun. Absolutely. I'm up for it. (laughs) 
Uh, spring has sprung and uh, here in Melbourne the weather is getting warmer, the skies are getting bluer and there's the scent of jasmine everywhere in the air, all of which makes me think of footy finals. Of course, we've got one round to go as we talked about. We're coming into round 17. Port Adelaide remains in prime position on the ladder. Brisbane could also steal top spot depending on how things go this weekend. But of course, a really big talking point in the last few days is the grand final itself, which as we know, is going to be held in Brisbane for the first time ever this year. We have heard some of the details of the grand final. They've now started to be released. And we, I think we're having a night grand final. But Nick, can you explain to me <laughs> when the grand final is happening? Because I'm confused. Yeah, so every single report I've heard here, this is shows you how biased the football media is, like Melbourne biased, is every single report here has said it's at 7.30. I had to think about that because Queensland will be, will not, does not celebrate daylight savings and we will be in daylight savings then. So my first thought was, is it 7.30 our time in Melbourne or is it 7.30? I mean, I assumed it would be local time. It is not local time. It's actually 6.30 in Brisbane and 7.30 in Melbourne. So I honestly hope that anyone who's planning to attend the game in Brisbane got the memo that it's actually a 6.30 start because otherwise they'll be showing up at half time. And, you know, based on past performances, the game might well truly be open by then anyway if we look at recent games. So I think a little bit of clarity around the time would be good given that they've messed with it in the first place and they're not going with the traditional 2.30. So that was my first thought. Oh, well, can I can I just jump in and say, what what about if you're, if you're in Perth or in Adelaide? Because then yes. I'm even more confused. I, don't, I just can't even begin to get my head around what time it's on. I, and I'm worried that if I'm worried that if there is this confusion, as you as you say, Nick, I'm confused that one of the teams might not turn up, and we'll see <laughs> our first ever <laughs> grand final forfeit. It would be very 2020 too, wouldn't it? If we had like a forfeit for the grand final, like that would just fit right in with everything else that's happened this year. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Last year, GWS didn't turn up to the grand final. So. <gasps> oh, boom. <laughs> I know, that was unkind. That was very unkind. I had some very bad karma headed my way, but I had someone had to say. <laughs> All my mind went to, though, is that if restrictions lift a little bit and you can have a friend over to watch the grand final and in fact if they don't people who have their kind of single household bubble happening they still will have to only watch half the game because curfew ends at nine o'clock in Melbourne so I don't know I don't feel like this is as well thought out as it potentially could have been. (laughs) Definitely a dampener on the typical grand final party if you have to leave at half time. Yeah, yeah, and and if numbers are restricted. But what I do know from our earlier conversation, of course, Rana, is that uh, if I want to get something delivered from Uber Eats, I can. That's the most important thing. Yes, number one rule. <laughs> I, if I could tell you the things I've had delivered, oh, your respect for me would plummet. <laughs> every time I hear someone say the grand final this year in Queensland, it feels like I'm hearing about my ex-boyfriends dating a new person like it just gets me every time it's not meant to be anywhere else but Melbourne I'm such a Melbourneian. I'm adjusting to it I mean it is what it is you know obviously I'm not we can't change it but I was very surprised at first to see that it was going to be held in Queensland and I've you know I've come to understand of course why over time I think footy has been booming in Queensland in the last few years particularly women and girls there's been a massive surge in the number of women and girls playing footy in Queensland and and so you know it's an incredible opportunity to showcase footy within Queensland. I'm optimistic and hopeful that it'll be and you know that the grand final will make a big splash in Queensland but I'm skeptical because it is rugby league heartland and having grown up there um, I know that in general terms you know AFL is just never going to compete with rugby league and that you know a lot of people don't like the game frankly but if chief you know as I said at the outset if Brisbane were to make the grand final and were and you know they're therefore to play at home I think it could be enormous for football in Queensland and it would be really exciting so I remain cautiously hopeful that it might (laughs) might encourage footy in in that state one of the big things that's been talked about this week is the grand final entertainment this is the most important topic of the year of course who who is going to play in the pre-match or the halftime entertainment now Powderfinger came out this week and tweeted and indicated that they had been 
encouraged to reunite for a one-off performance and that they had declined to do so. And I think they uh, encouraged the AFL and others to think about giving an opportunity to local acts who are newer, more up-and-coming acts to give them that platform and opportunity. Tell me what you would both like to see for the grand final. Or Rana, what do you think? I've got some ideas. I think you're. I think Powderfinger is probably right around something local, but I've gone for a bit of a blend. So I was thinking about if the Outer Sanctum was handed the platform to do anything they wanted with the pre-game entertainment. I was wondering the other day what that would look like, and I have a few ideas. So I thought I'd run them past you. I mean, I want epic. So more Olympics opening ceremony than anything that we normally see. I want to begin with cultural performances of all the different mobs of the different Indigenous players in the league. Great, great. And I want it very kind of performance-arty, very progressive. I want similar something similar for all the ethnicities of all the different players in the league as well. And then I want to kind of segue into a parade of all our community footy heroes, you know, the women at the canteen, the men at the canteen, parents who slog it out all season, and they would rush the ground and form the words, go footy. <laughs> Just picture that in your mind. I think Great. it's glorious. And then we kind of segue into like, I don't know if you saw it, but like Janelle Monet at the Oscars this year with um, just a beautifully queer, feminine performance that she actually called out all the movies that didn't get nominated that probably should have. She called out Oscars being so white. So I'm thinking that kind of performance, of all the things that went wrong this season, because there's pretty much everything went wrong, and I think we could just do like a quick, snappy, sort of soft shoe of all the little things that the season that was. (laughs) And then we... Then we segue into, <laughs> put a lot of thought into this. Lucky it's a night grand final. <laughs> You've exactly. got all day we'll to start do at 11. <laughs> um, not so local, but go with me. An oversized meat pie from which Kate Bush emerges. <laughs> and <laughs> the twist is that the meat pie is a vegan tofu situation. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So grateful. I feel this would be the first um, grand final entertainment that I'd ever feel really represented at. Right? <laughs> really inclu- included. Exactly. She sings a medley of traditional footy songs plus running up that hill and then she sings um, this woman's work and we have a parade of all the AFLW players who have had to retire because they don't get paid enough to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> And then we finish off with the national anthem before anthem before the kickoff with Miriam Margulies singing our anthem, so. which I think is weirdly appropriate. God, I mean, I'm amazed, but I also feel I also feel kind of exhausted even just hearing the description. What would get a run, uh, Nicole, if you were programming, or or do you have anything to add to the arena spectacular that Rana has just um, designed? programmed i love rana's suggestion i do have an alternative though uh probably on a similar scale in some ways it's kind of harking back to we all know that football is often compared to sort of battle zones and war with the in football they like to use those um, metaphors all the time so i'm thinking why not actually kind of honor that and this is kind of in homage to to lucy race actually and to remind us of what a real afl grand final looks like as in the 2019, our most recent one with crowds and all the rest of it. I was thinking in terms of the Battle of Hastings, (laughs) which is, you know, a great scoreline. We all know, Lucy, it makes her very happy when we see the 10666. So we've got that already kind of locked in. You've got all that space and it's great. You know, I feel like we just don't use the space properly on that oval before um, a game. So like a full reenactment of the Battle of Hastings, but I'm thinking rendered in dance. So it's just got more of that. And and this is inspired by the Freeman documentary and how they did some of the reenactments of um, Kathy's race and some of her sort of warm-ups with the, the Bangara Theatre Group, which was just really, or dance group, but which was just so powerful. So I'm thinking maybe more... Or it might be more appropriate to have something like the stomp. Remember the stomp dancers? <gasps> yes. For yes. the battle scenes? Like that would be really great because they've even got rubbish bins and things, you know, like they've got, like you use it like shields and it's quite an easy and a natural progression actually. And then, 
you know, any of the death scenes, I'm thinking something more liturgical, it's more interpretive, like with the spiritual sort of component. And obviously, if it's an homage to 2019, you know, it's a natural, the Normans versus the English and, and the fact that King Harold was was murdered, you know, King Harold obviously would be Toby Green <laughs> and the Tigers of the Normans, which, you know, is a really nice kind of parallel, I think. And, and also those two teams have traded a lot of players and sort of merged together a lot, haven't they? Which is, this is what ended up being England, you know, as a consequence of this war. So I just think it's a really nice reminder of what a grand final, a real grand final looks like. And when we had crowds and when we had, it was in the MCG. So that, you know, obviously they'd have to clear a lot of the stuff away and hopefully the, the you know, the bodies and all the rest of it wouldn't be too messy. But then as the, for the, in terms of the anthem, I don't know if you realise this, but 2020 is the 20th anniversary since the formation of Bardo. Oh. And I just think getting Bardo back together again for this grand final, the anthem, are you with me? Yes. It would be an enormous, an enormous coup if they could manage to pull that off. <laughs> So that's, I mean, I, you know, I, I maybe I would, maybe I'm got a little carried away there, but I feel like that would be like a perfect no. way. With me. It's very Queensland. It is. Yeah. You know, in that sort of big statement. No, it's, it's perfect. It's a, it's a fan, it's an absolutely fantastic idea. Some of our listeners might not know who Bardo is because they may be too young. So they'll need to go and Google them. They could come and perform their one song, which would be, I think there was just the one. Poison. Well, I'm inspired listening to you both talk about what you should, what you think should happen at the grand final. And the vibe that I'm very much getting is is an opening ceremony vibe. Much like the Olympic opening ceremony, the purpose of which is always to showcase the na- nation's culture and history and, and key people on the world stage, uh, I think Queensland should approach the grand final pre-match in the same way as an opportunity to showcase Queensland to the rest of the nation and also to the rest of the world. And so... You know, I mean, thinking about what are some of the iconic Queensland things and objects, cultural references, people. And Rana, I take your Kate Bush emerging from the meat pie and I give you Mel Meninga emerging from the big pineapple. That's <laughs> Obviously, obviously. Perfect. And that's the kind of thing I would like to see happen and that should be pretty easy to organise. Right. Mel Meninga, <laughs> Kathy Freeman, of course, is a Queenslander, Kari Webb, Tracy Wickham, Susie O'Neill, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the architect of the Queensland <laughs> Grand Final. I'd love to see all of them come out of the Big Pineapple. Um, in my mind, I'm picturing it a bit like the Commonwealth Games in the early 1980s where we had all the children come out of the, the pouch of Matilda the Big Kangaroo, if you if you remember. <laughs> And again, if you're a listener who's too young to remember that, Google it because it's quite the image. It's a bit like a Trojan horse. But I see the big pineapple being wheeled into the stadium. Obviously, all the other Queensland references that we could have, you know, a tribute to Steve Irwin. Mm. Expo. Maybe Expo 88. Expo 88 together will show the world. World Expo 88. I loved World Expo 88. That kind of stuff. The other thing I want to see is some of the classics of the grand final genre reworked for the occasion, assuming that we're going to trot Mike Brady up there and that he'll spend his 14 days in quarantine and then be uh, wheeled out to sing some of his classics. But I think they need to be rewritten. Um, And I've had an initial go at rewriting some of the lyrics of Up There Kazali. I'm now more, I've now like fully morphed into a member of the Could Have Been Champions, I think. But this is what, (laughs) this is the lyrics that I think we need. (laughs) Up there in Queensland, the sun's extra bright. That's why they've got to play the grand final at night. Up there in Brizzy, Forex is the beer. And that's one way to guarantee the grand final comes back here. The grand final comes back here. Oh, yes. Well done. I'm so happy with that. Nailed Nailed it. So, Rana, a little uh, while ago you mentioned bubble buddies, which is a phrase that might not make sense to people who are living outside of Victoria. Uh, But I did want to talk about it a bit. Can you explain to our non-Victorian listeners what a bubble buddy is? Sure. At the moment, we're obviously in stage four lockdown. So there are people who live alone who haven't seen another person for so long. So in Victoria, people who are living alone can 
bubble up with another person (laughs) and basically they can visit each other so I can pick a friend and visit that person's house and they can come to my house and eventually the idea is that when restrictions lift again families can bubble up with another family which is by the way wreaking havoc for all our social dynamics because god I'm dreading finding out which of my siblings my parents pick for their bubble and I'm doing I've got like a whiteboard working out which of my friends I want to pick for my bubble so it's it's gonna be awkward for everybody but basically someone you can have at your house and they're your person and there's some tension right in Victoria because the, the question is what if I nominated you Rana to be my bubble buddy but you didn't want to nominate me so it's a bit like going back to primary school and you know wondering if you're going to have the same best friend you know the same BFF I'm not going to ask you both to nominate which member of the outer sanctum you would nominate as your bubble buddy because that's just way too awkward but what I do want to ask you is if you could pick any person from football living or dead to be your bubble buddy who would you pick and why Nicole do you have someone that you can think of I do I do it would be Alan Jeans and we said alive or dead, so, and sadly, Alan Jeans is no longer with us. And the main reason, or there's two reasons really, is one of them is I spent my entire, I spent my entire teen years at Glenferry Oval and I was at training every Thursday and some Tuesdays. And that's something that I've admitted before and, and try not to go back to too often. So that was all through Alan Jeans's coaching career. In that time, I got to know a lot of the players and I spoke to all the players and got a million autographs and photographs. I never once spoke to Alan Jean. I would, uh, I don't think I ever made eye contact with him. It is enormous regret for me. <laughs> he was so intimidating and he was just a very busy man and he was still a police officer back then, you know, quite a high, you know, highly sort of ranked police officer. And yeah, he was so intimidating and so kind of stern that I never actually spoke to him. So I would love the opportunity now because I know he's a nice man and he mellowed and and I would have a different understanding and relationship with him. So that would be my my first choice. The second reason I want I would want him is because I would want to ask him what he really felt about letting Gary Ablett Senior go. What really happened? Because there were lots of stories, let me tell you, and I would love to know what really happened, why Gary Ablett Sr. ended up at Geelong. You know, it's funny, Nicole, you and I have uh, predictably gone down a similar path because my bubble buddy would be John Kennedy Sr., the late John Kennedy Sr. who died not all that long ago. I would want to pick a hawker. I would want to, and I would want to pick him for two reasons. One is because I want a bubble buddy who would be happy to just sit around and watch replays of Hawthorne Grand Finals for hours and hours because that's like my favorite thing to do and I think John Kennedy Sr. would be very happy spending his time I assume he would have been happy to spend his time that way but also the other thing is I need a bit of motivation in ISO because I don't get out of my pajamas all day and I need a bit of a don't think do from John Kennedy (laughs) Sr. just to get me up and about each day and so I could do with him turning up each morning and giving me a bit of a spray so that I like have a shower just basic just the basic (laughs) basic hygiene (laughs) just basic hygiene which I think he would have been really um on board with what what about you Rana (laughs) I am going to just pepper you with voice messages that say don't think do (laughs) please please. (laughs) from now until eternity I've also gone with someone who is departed, dearly departed. I, it took me a while to decide because there's so many AFLW players I want to bubble up with. People who've listened to the podcast and follow me on Twitter sadly know that I've deemed this lockdown the horny lockdown. So my mind also went in that direction. And you can DM me if you want that list. But I've settled on Morris Rioli for a few reasons because I just want to ask him all the questions about what it was like to play, what the club was like. But I also figure if I get to kind of go over and hang out with Morris Rioli and be in his bubble, then I also get Cyril, a young Daniel, a young Willie and a young Morris Jr. Hopefully, if I time it right, I feel like I'm in Back to the Future or something. (laughs) So that's kind of where my mind went and I thought, well, that's I'm kind of working the system there. So I would love to just, because I also, I interviewed Daniel Rioli once and he said that Morris 
while he loved footy, once he was done, he was kind of done and focused on community and his family. And I would just love to pick his brain on all of that as well and the, all the community work that he did. So I feel like he would be great footy company, but also just a great mind to spend time with. It's a great choice. And when we finish recording, you can both let me know if I would have been your bubble buddy. <laughs> One of our favourite friends of the pod is VFLW Hawthorne coach and AFLW Premiership coach, Beck Goddard. She sat down with our very own Emma Race to talk about some exciting things that are happening in women's footy and to offer her reflections on the future of the women's game. Here's their chat. Oh, it always gives me such great pleasure to check in with one of my favourite people, the karaoke queen, also known as the inaugural AFLW Premiership winning coach and the current coach of the Hawthorne VFLW team, Rebecca Goddard. How are you? And welcome to the Outer Sanctum. Good times. I remember with, with such fondness when we were able to sit in a hotel room together singing and exchanging watermelons. I'd do anything to be watching you coach right now. We lured you to Victoria to coach the Hawthorne VFLW team and you've done no coaching. Well, you've probably done some coaching. What's it been like? Well, I tried not to take it personally, um, but you're right. I, I feel like I might have been a bit of a curse to Victoria. Um, officially moved in February and then COVID happened and... Uh, have been trapped in Victoria ever since, haven't been able to go and see the great things that the place has to offer, haven't been able to go and watch the footy, just been able to, to come to work, really. So it, it has been um, disappointing. But with the grass, you know, blossoming now and on the trees, everything like that that's happening with the bees in the air, maybe there'll be some women's footy soon. Well, we hope so. We know that BFLW was abandoned because of COVID and we're hearing that it may, when it comes back, be aligned with AFLW. Have you heard anything about that, Beth? Look, I, I haven't. I mean, it's it, footy is obviously a, a great rumour mill and especially in the absence of information, I think it's sometimes really easy to, to believe rumours. But until I hear anything, you know, official, um, I, I think it's best to say that I, I still don't know uh, what's happening. I can see a lot of merit in... Um, having the VFLW run at the same time as AFLW. I can I can see some things that may not work so well too, but uh, whatever it is, hopefully there's some footy coming back, especially for women soon. It would be great for the AFLW system, of course, because then you'd have the two team, you'd be able to play your way back into the AFLW team if you had two teams in your franchise. But for the Hawks and for you specifically, it would have challenges because it means that we have no AFLW talent available to play for the VFLW team. Can I ask you a cheeky question? We know that Richmond has passed on, on exercising their VFLW licence for the season coming up. Have they approached Hawthorne or would you consider doing a co-pro with Richmond? You can ask a cheeky question, but I, I honestly don't have an answer for you, Emma, because I, I've literally been out of football since, since COVID happened. So again, I, I'm really just sort of talking like total rumours here and I just hope that I'm going to be back coaching. That, that's one thing. And I hope that all of the players that I got to meet before COVID suspended, everything gets to come back and have a game. And, and that would be really the priority for me. And I'm sure Richmond's working out what they're going to do with their program separately. So in... A lack of any good news about women's football. I just read an article, and this is what I wanted to ask you about. I just read an article saying that Hawthorne has flipped their development plans for the Kennedy Centre, and they're prioritising women's football, and they're building that first. Can you please tell me everything you know? Bravo, I say, because here's the thing about COVID, right? We, we talk about, you know, going back to normal. But for me, this is a real opportunity. I've looked at this at the AFL industry and think what an opportunity it is to not go back to normal, to actually go back and be better than what we were before and offer something, um, get ahead of the game. And we know that money's tight and that things have got to be reprioritised and some you know, lots of staff in the football industry have lost their jobs. But why do we have to go back to the way it was and stick to the plans that we had? We can get better. We can get better, and that's what Hawthorne's done. They've decided to completely flip their project for the Kennedy Community Centre, uh, which was put on hold because of COVID, and that's given Hawthorne time to review their project, their timelines. What Hawthorne has decided is that they're going to completely flip their plans, which means that they're going to build the AFLW uh, ground first. So stage one will be the AFLW home ground for Hawthorne and that pavilion, and that's all part of the hope that 
Hawthorne will be getting a licence uh, for not obviously this coming AFLW season, but hopefully for the next one. It's a big move to build uh, a stadium before you have a team. But, you know, one of the greats once said, if you build it, they will come. They also said you can't catch two frogs with one hand. So I think this is absolutely brilliant uh, for Hawthorne. And, and why not create something that's special out in the southeast, you know, that's going to be a facility for for women and girls out there, but also just the community. What a great opportunity this is going to be. This isn't just the AFLW ground. It's all the facilities that go with it, the Highball Centre, uh, basketball out there. You know, I've got an interest in, in basketball, obviously, but that would be great for Basketball Victoria. It's just a, a really great in, investment and hopefully they talk about this shovel ready. I've never heard of such a thing and maybe in my real work, policing shovel ready means something different, but <laughs> uh, this is this is really great for Hawthorne. Shovel ready sounds like you might be handed a shovel. When we think about about building an AFLW, like a bespoke ground and facilities for AFLW, what are some of the things that you would want to see included? Something that's really welcoming for the community, I suppose. And I think, you know, now that COVID's happened, the way that we sit and watch football and the way we enjoy football might be different. To, to what we're used to. So getting really proactive in the change about how that looks and the spaces that are, that are created, um, I think that will probably be at the top of the list, a welcoming environment, you know, for family and friends to sit there and be able to enjoy that with, with that type of, uh, those type of considerations will be really important. And obviously purpose built for some of the, the things that you want to have um, in, a, in a women's change room, you know, off the top of my head, I've been at many football grounds where there's only one toilet. So let's eliminate the queue is what I say. Yeah, absolutely. And also a place to plug in your hair straightener. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to, let's not get on the tricky subject of hair. Obviously in lockdown at the moment, mine has uh, blown out to Buffont size. I'm close to John Farnham in the 1980s when he recorded Pressure Down at the moment and give me another six weeks, God knows what I'll look like. Don't pretend you don't like it. I know that you think that you're a match for the voice. Uh, look, I, I don't know, you know, how imminent is imminent. You've got to get, you've got to get the workers, the people to do it, I suppose, but, you know, as quickly as possible. And I think just the, the idea and the realignment of the dream, I suppose, that this is now the first part of the project um, and getting that, getting that shovel dug, you know, really soon and then what can move on from then. And I know lots of people are going to be wanting to get back to work outdoors and, and in, in that building industry and that's a priority for the government. So hopefully it can be done as quickly as possible. That's great. Now, before I let you go, it would be remiss of me not to ask you, it hasn't been locked in yet, but entertainment for the grand final coming up. <laughs> um, any Anyone spring to mind? Like what would be on your wish list? Oh, that that is a bit of a surprise that you've asked for there. I mean, we do know that I am a passionate John Farnham supporter. I, I do I do have a secret love for Delta Goodrum as well. She's one of my, my favourites. But I'm sure that the AFL will come up with someone some, and, and some acts that are fantastic up in Queensland. Thanks so much for spending some time on the Outer Sanctum today, Beck. We can't wait to see you in the hard hat. <laughs> I look good in it. Thanks. The high viz, bring it out. So thanks so much to Emma and Beck for that chat. It was absolutely fantastic and really exciting to hear what Hawthorne is doing in that space. So it's about that time of week where we now turn our attention to culture songs and podcasts and films and other things that have been keeping us going while we're in ISO. Have either of you managed to organise a little intro for the fifth quarter segment? No, sorry. Uh, no, Kate, yeah. Um, I'm hoping that somebody else has. <sighs> okay, let me see what I can do. Let me grab my fiddle. We're laughing, our soul's taking its toll Being locked down ain't no good for the soul Keeping y'all cheerful is the goal Thank God that the quarter's here Well, a little comedy is good for the heart Down at Shit's Creek is the place to start And the plot against America is so damn smart Thank God that the quarter's here You can take up painting and start playing fiddle Play piggy in the middle, do a puzzle or a riddle Whatever you're doing, we'll try to make you giggle Thank God that the quarter's here when the work's all done and the sunset low, I pop on the telly and I search for a show. I here to keep you going when you just don't know. Thank God that the quarter's here. I'd re-watch all the West Wing if I could, but my man and my dog wouldn't take it very good. So I watched Josh Lyman on YouTube when I should. 
thank God that the court is here. You, you can take up pain, they'll stop playing fiddle. Play your piggy in the middle, do a puzzle or a riddle. Whatever you're doing, we'll try to make it giggle. Thank God that the court is here. Yeah! You! Thanks for that, Kate. <laughs> I haven't felt this Western since that time a cowboy asked me on a ranch in Texas if I'd take a walk with him and look at his gun collection. Yeah, I didn't, but very similar vibes. Lucy Race, as I live and breathe, how are you going? Hey, I'm good, Ted. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. It's a beautiful day and Regional Vic has some restrictions loosening, so that's cause to celebrate. And look, the sun is shining and I'm looking out my window at a beautiful forest pansy tree that is just blossoming. It's bright pink and just glowing. So, of course, that puts a smile on my face. Absolutely. But I have genuinely been doing that thing where I heard Rana say last week, how could she want to read post-apocalyptic fiction? And I asked the same question because I can't <laughs> I can't deal with anything that is even remotely stressful. So, Football is like on the on a nice edge, but I've been avoiding any extra stress whatsoever. So, for example, I rewatched the BBC Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Oh, perfect! <laughs> glorious. And then I I read actually for the first time P.D. James's fanfic murder mystery Death at Pemberley, based on Pride and Prejudice, which was super fun and required absolutely no brain capacity whatsoever. Exactly what I was looking for. And now my friends have implemented something called Musical Mondays. I've discussed before how during lockdown we've all been doing movies together and watching at the same time and chatting on Messenger and stuff. And so on Mondays now we watch musicals. And so we started with Hamilton, which I hadn't seen, so I've seen that now. I'm I'm part of the gang, Lucy. Oh, so happy to hear it. What's your favourite song? Probably in the room where it happened. That was probably pretty – that's a bit of a banger. I feel like I should have watched it at the start. Because when everybody talks about something being the most amazing thing you'll ever see in your life and then you see it and you're like, that's totally fine. Like, good, interesting. But listening to Americans talk about how great America is has never really been my bag. So I feel like (laughs) it wasn't for me, but I also enjoy Lin-Manuel Miranda. So fine. Then we did Singing in the Rain, my favourite movie, which just brought me untold joy. And then I realised that Gene Kelly looks a little bit like Dylan Shield. (laughs) When Dylan Shield plays music play football I'm like do the dance dude just put him in a Macintosh that's right you should be in a three-piece suit swinging the umbrella around I don't know what you're doing um and also some like it hot which isn't technically a musical but has musical songs and is funny so I'm open for suggestions if people want to put musicals on my list some we've seen some we haven't seen oh I love that I'm going to send you a whole list because you know that musicals are like my in my top five favorite things you're my you're my go-to you can make my guru very happy to be your consultant on that (laughs) (laughs) what about you have you been more serious have you been more of an adult no I don't know if I've been more of an adult I have been I've been reading like there's no tomorrow which sounds quite dystopian and probably potentially accurate this year I've read so many books and some absolute crackers but I wanted to talk about one that I just finished last week and it's it's a book called Bel Canto by Anne Patchett and you might know her she wrote The Dutch House recently but this is her fourth novel was published back in 2001 and I'd never read it it was a book that was very well received at the time it won about three or four awards, including the Women's Prize for Fiction. But I chose it randomly and it turned out to actually be the most perfect lockdown novel because it is the story of a group of people who come to be locked down in a house together. So the book is set in an unnamed South American country in the home of vice of the vice president and there's a lavish birthday party being thrown for an important Japanese businessman who just happens to be mad about opera. So they entice the most famous soprano in the world to come in and perform for the guests. Now into this setting, which is all all lovely people sitting around in their dinner suits and finery having dinner bursts a group of gorillas who take the entire party hostage what happens next is just so surprising and really beautiful it's a novel about life under siege but the entrapment doesn't become claustrophobic what we really get to see is people discovering things about themselves when they're locked away from the real world it's for the characters and for us that 
time is meaningless and the outside world hardly intrudes. So it's just made it the most perfect book to read in lockdown. I just want to read you this one little quote, which just sounded like it could have been something any of us wrote last week on Twitter. The day no longer progressed in its normal linear fashion, but instead every hour circled back to its beginning. Every moment was lived over and over again. Time, in the manner in which they had all understood it, was over. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Can you think of anything more apt? That is fantastic. I know. And look, it's not a depressing book. It avoids cliches for the most part. It's humorous. It's beautiful. And in many ways, it's a story of community. So I highly recommend it. It has also been made into a film, which I haven't watched yet, but it keeps popping up on my Netflix. That came out last year with Julianne Moore. But you've got to read the book first because the book is just beautiful. The other thing that we've been doing, and I don't know whether this is adult, I don't know that it really is, is just devouring (laughs) shows on Netflix and any streaming service. And one that I finished watching last week is I May Destroy You. Now, people will probably have heard of this because it's hyped and with good reason. It's been the hit of the UK and the US summer. It's a 12-episode series from HBO and BBC. I had just been impatiently waiting for it to become available in Australia and you can watch it via Foxtel's streaming arm, Binge. But it is written and directed by Michaela Cole, who also stars as the main character, Arabella. And we follow Arabella as she tries to make sense of a sexual assault. And while the series deals with pretty heavy and confronting issues like sexual assault and consent, it's so much more than that. It looks at race, sexuality, life as a millennial, friendship, and big themes of right and wrong. Characters, you know, have so much complexity and it's all done with a deft touch. I didn't feel lectured to. I felt like there was a lot of heart and humour in it and it also has one of the best depictions of online-induced anxiety that I've ever seen. So I loved it and I give the recommendation highly, but I give it with a content warning. So just take care of some of those themes, raise issues for you. Wow. Online-induced anxiety and a life under siege where time has no meaning. They are very appropriate. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes those things just, you know, it's the zeitgeist and things pop up. I don't, I seriously have no idea why I picked Belcanto. I'd read The Dutch House and I'd read Commonwealth, which I really enjoyed, but this is my favourite book of hers by far. Oh, that's, they're good selection. Um, Lucy, delightful, delightful to speak to you, delightful to get some recommendations that aren't things that I've already seen and watched before that I'm watching for comfort. And who knows, I may branch out. I really hope so. It's been so good to talk to you, Tess. Miss seeing your face. Miss seeing your face. Well, it was great to hear Lucy and Tess getting together for the fifth quarter. I haven't heard Tess's voice for a few weeks, so it was really uh, beautiful to hear what she's been up to. Uh, I think that's everything. Is there any other business Ladies? No, good to go. Good to go. All right. Well, there's only a couple of things left to say. The first one is to remind our listeners that if you like what we're putting out, please go and review us on iTunes, five stars only. Uh, We love getting your reviews. They really lift our spirits and they're a good way of helping connect us to new listeners. And that leaves us with only one thing left to say, which is go Go footy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.